0: On today's show, let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks, their first half versus their second half defense. Their offense has been so wild. Why are the Mavericks so different? And why are the Dallas Mavericks better in the clutch this season? We'll talk about that and more with Jake Kemp on today's Lockdown Mavs.
1: I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavericks. Lockdown NBA champion. He It's good! And the Mavericks have won the game! If you don't believe, you shouldn't be here.
0: Loyalty never fades away. And welcome. You are Locked On to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show, making locked on mavs your first listen today. Where the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and to comment anything below. Let us know in the comment section how the Mavericks been so much better in the second half of games this season. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $100 or can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. And joining me, the original host of this show, now from the Dumb Zone podcast that is no longer being sued. What you got for me, Jake Kemp?
1: We were the original host, but we were like a Model T compared to the Lamborghini that you guys had turned this into. You got graphics. I don't know. We we were so bare bones, man. We were just trying to get the thing up every day. It was, uh, and it was not exactly a fun time for the Mavs either. <laughs> so yeah, I'm uh, I'm a huge fan of you guys.
0: Hey, thank you, man. We we appreciate it. Appreciate you you pioneering and starting this, and then I appreciate you leaving and then handing it over to us. Yeah. Is what I
1: appreciate. Your family thanks
0: me. definitely. Oh my gosh. Game changer. Uh, Jake is here. We'll talk about the Mavericks. We'll talk about his impressions on some of the role players, some some of the Josh green versus Derek Jones jr. Stuff. Derek live get his thoughts on that and we'll get his thoughts on the clutch play with the Mavericks and all that kind of stuff. But I want to start with this, the Mavericks in the first half and the Mavericks in the second half are like two different teams. It's really hard to try and figure out, okay, what's been the biggest difference. The players have just said, we're just listening to the coach. We're just, we're just trying harder. Basically Tim Hardaway has said that Grant Williams has said that. What do you make of the difference between the Mavericks first half and second half so far in games?
1: Yeah. And even Timmy said last night in the on-floor uh, post-game interview that some of the vets had to vent a little bit at halftime. <laughs> um, and I started thinking like, well, who is he exactly talking about? You know, cause he's like, we got some young guys in there. They need to understand it's you know, it's a full 48. Um, the game's not over, but I'm thinking like, who exactly is he talking about? Because, they're a young team, I guess, but Grant Williams is 24. It's not like he needs to hear that. you know. He's been in big moments on a good team. Derek Jones Jr. is 26, but he's been in the league for like eight years. So all I could figure was that he was talking about lively, maybe getting down on himself with three fouls in the first half, or maybe Jaden Hardy, who played eight or nine minutes in the first half and um, wasn't shooting the ball well, but he was getting to the line. So I don't know. I'd love for somebody to follow up with Tim on that. I don't know who that could be, Nick. Uh, <laughs> I know what exactly he's talking about there. Cause he explicitly, usually they'll just say we, we played better. Right. Right. They will give you a generic. We just shot the ball better. We played better, but he went out of his way to say, you know, the vets had to vent a little bit in there. And I just don't, I don't know exactly who he could be talking to that doesn't understand the flow of an NBA game and how to come out strong, but it's, you know, there's two halves to the game. It was, it was a bit of a – I was surprised he actually said that, but have you looked at – I'm sure you have. You're you. The numbers you, – you watch the game and you're like, boy, this is weird. The numbers are shocking. Shocking. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a team – and it's a small sample size, but it's not
0: – They're almost 10% of the way through the season. Like, it's not It's yeah. not. That's that much small. Like-
1: <laughs> to go from first half 26th in net rating to second half first in net rating uh, is absurd. And the, the one that's probably even more shocking is to go from 29th on defense to sixth. That just doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't know if I have a great answer for you other than um, maybe they, they are playing a couple of younger guys that need to get going a little bit. Kyrie's not traditionally, you know, the best first half guy. So maybe it's just a mix of all that stuff. But I don't – you because we do this in football a lot too, right? You could take it one of two ways if you want to either criticize or compliment your coach. Either uh, <laughs> he, he uh, doesn't have him ready, but he can make great second half adjustments. Yeah. Uh, or uh, he doesn't have him ready. Why doesn't he have him ready to play to, to come out of the gate?
0: I've seen Tell a him. lot of credit to J- to Jason Kidd from from some people, and I'm like, man, I just like, yeah, I I, I go with you. Like, is it? is it he doesn't have them ready early on or he does the right adjustments or maybe he had the game plan like Grant Williams is saying. They had the game plan. The players didn't listen to it. So then are the players just not listening to the coach? Like you could take it in so many different ways. The numbers you mentioned. So the net rating is the difference between points scored per 100 possessions and points allowed per 100 possessions. The Mavericks first half net rating is negative 11.2, 26th in the NBA. Their second half plus 24.7 that's just first that's almost eight points above Philadelphia. Like that's the best in the NBA by eight points. They're the best team in the second half by it's
1: eight huge... points above uh, Philadelphia. It's a almost 40 point swing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they literally go from the, honestly the net rating like 10.9 was the like process sixers net rating in that one year where they won like, you know, in the teens. And then plus 24 is like the 73 win warriors. Like they go from just this awful team to a great team. The, the first, the defense though, is the one that's really stuck out to me. You mentioned they go from 29th. They're like 0.3, 0.2 points away from Washington, like the worst defense in the league in the first half. And then they're like 0.2 away from the, the Grizzlies for sixth and fifth on defense in the second half, which means they go from like the worst defense in the league to, a defense with two defensive player of the years on it. Like it's just so different. And I don't know that if it's just players like, all right, we're going to take the game plan seriously now. But if I start to think about what your earlier point about who was Tim talking about, like if you start to think through who are the players that wouldn't take like the defensive game plan seriously or wouldn't come out and be ready right away. Like the first names that come to my mind are Luca and Tim. But if Tim's the one ranting about it, maybe Tim was being ranted at, or maybe Luca was being ranted at. And if Luca's being ranted at, that's something that the Mavericks have needed for a little while now. Like they they need some of those guys to step up.
1: Yeah, but he did make a point to say young players. But you're right. I mean, that, <laughs> those are the two guys that that probably you could get more out of uh, defensively, specifically in the first half. But man, I I do go back to the idea that as as exciting it is as it is to watch Derek Lively start. Uh, and you know you're going to have issues, which I'm sure we'll talk about later with foul trouble. Which they knew when they drafted him. Damn. He might have been a guy that just was upset with himself last night, only being able to play seven minutes with the the three quick fouls. And maybe it was partly him, just like I said, trying to pick him up and let him know, like, hey, you're gonna have you're gonna have to play quite a bit in the second half. Um, so we don't need this. Uh, I don't know if you would call it moping. That's probably too strong. But just hey, let's lock back in and get in there, and then. I mean the craziest thing about last night to me was and it's kind of been a theme throughout most of the season is Kyrie on defense I mean i i don't I don't think he was as bad when he got here as I expected um but he makes hustle plays he's you know locking down on the balls is to the degree that he can um so that the, in the second half last night that's what stuck out to me the most was that he was just everywhere.
0: You need you need a guy like that just to be smart in passing lanes. The, the he had a couple of plays where he made a bad offensive play and then immediately got the steal back. He's like, no, 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 let me let me let me redo that and got the yeah. steal back. Like just to have a guy with that awareness, that quickness to take advantage of something young, like especially the young players on the on the Magic. He was, just felt like he was taking advantage of them on defense sometimes, and you don't expect that from a Kyrie player, but he's been good, and I think that that is one of the reasons why they've been good defensively in second halves is because if they do. Like everybody is, if everybody does step up, they all rotate, they all communicate. They do what they're supposed to do. They don't have a ton of like super weak links because we've gone over Lucas defensive, you know, like his, his faults. And if he's not, if he's not locked in, then it doesn't go well. But if he is locked in, he can be at least fine. He can be solid. He was, he was solid on the way to the Western conference finals a couple of years ago. And so you don't have a ton of like weak links defensively. If everybody gets locked in just everyone has to get locked in or else it, it doesn't go well at all.
1: Yeah, and we've seen that before with this team. Um, and I mean, they did have Porzingis pre-trade the one year that they were top ten in defense, and he was actually having a fantastic year protecting the rim. Yeah. But while they don't have any weak links, they don't really have any true lockdowns. And when you don't have that, I default to it. Really, just does come down to effort and buy-in. And it sounds cliche. I don't think that about offense, obviously. But when it comes to you know NBA defense, if you're full of average to hovering above or below average defenders. I don't know what else there is to it other than focus, intensity, effort, and all the stuff your high school coach told you about. <laughs>
0: well, their offense changes too. It goes from 12th in the first half to first, like by a pretty good margin if you're just going by offensive rating. So, like, they're, it's just overall, they're being a, a better team in the second half, which is wild. And they've also been better in the clutch or in fourth quarter. So, coming up, let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks in the clutch. How the Mavericks been so much better? in clutch games this season, compared to where they were last season. We'll talk about that with Jake coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You can go check out Prize Picks right now, and you can pick all kinds of different things. All you have to do is pick more or less of the projections on a player. You can combine NBA and NFL if you want to. You can do that with the, the different specials, the combo projections on that kind of stuff, with the uh, community plays, on the promos. You can check out all that kind of stuff. For example, Uh, We're doing this, we're recording this on Tuesday. So on Wednesday, it's Sixers versus Celtics. I can pick Joel Embiid, 29 and a half points. Give me, give me less on that. I think Porzingis will will hold him, maybe. Jason Tatum, 28 and a half. Oh, give me more on that one. If I just put those two down and I get both of them correct, if I put down 20 bucks, I can win 60. If I put down 100 bucks, I can win 300. Let me add Tyrese Maxey, 21 and a half. That seems, that seems low to me. I'm going to go more on that. If I do the power play, put down 20 bucks, I can win 100 if that all hits. So again, check out Prize Picks com see what's available for you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code locked nba nba for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars again prizepicks slash locked on nba shut it down oh, no! let's go home thanks everybody for he- Hanging out with us on Lockdown Mavs, being part of the show, part of the Raccoon Squad, listening every day. If you want to support the show, text me, get text alerts from me on Mavs news, rumors, all that kind of stuff. If you want to watch film with me, subscribe to our subtext, click the link in the description, text the number in the description as well. You get a text from me. How about that? That'll be fun. All right, Jake, let's talk about clutch play. The Mavericks have won all their games in the, in the clutch so far, which is a far cry from last season. What do you attribute the Mavs improvement on, in, in the clutch to after last season?
1: It has to just be time because the point of acquiring Kyrie was all about Luca, you know, not just to let him rest on a few possessions, not just to allow him to potentially miss a game here and there. If he needs to not to just let him, uh, let to try to keep the team afloat if Luca misses a prolonged period of time, but mostly to keep teams from loading up on Luca. And that was never more present, uh, pre Kyrie than it was in the clutch. And especially once, you know, you're playing without Jalen. So, to me, that is where teams know they want to take away the one thing that you want to do, and if they can do that, then it's on the rest of your roster to prove that they can do something with it. And frankly, for the most part, the Mavericks don't have a lot of those guys. Uh, so to me, the biggest thing it's and we were saying it last year, and people would say, Well, you know, that's Kyrie's a you know, he's a superstar, it shouldn't take that much time. You can't, they're not even practicing last year for most, <laughs> no. most time when Kyrie was there, and then Kyrie's hurt. Lucas Hurt, you know, I just think it was so disjointed last year. And that resulted in a lot of people saying, like, can they play together? You know, which I just think those were really primarily reductive takes um, because we just didn't have enough data on what it would look like if they had time to actually develop sets together. um, Not just in the flow of the first, you know, whether you want to say 46, 43. But that's where having two guys is the most important at the end of the game, especially two guys who can handle the ball and can, you know, release the pressure valve. And you saw it a little bit last night, uh, you know, whenever they decided to double Luca, just give a wide open uh, look to Kyrie. And I know his his numbers are down this year, but he's taken like, what, 26, 20, It's low as far as shots yeah. from beyond the arcs. That percentage is a little, a little bit misleading. But that's to me why it's going the way that it's going now. And even if, Sometimes I get a little bit frustrated. I know we we need a uh, we need a a delineation of final five five points. Even if you go cut it down to three and three, that's still been four of the games. Like it would throw out Memphis and last night. It's still three and three. Feels like a much more what you would think of as a clutch game.
0: A clutch. And they still down to the final. Exactly.
1: Like we're trading possessions, basically. And in those games, it's that's been four of them. You know, so I, I honestly think that, you know, when they're both out there healthy this year, I think it'll be a complete uh, flip of the script. I don't, I don't think last year was representative at all. You know, that not only just being able to practice every now and then, but camp, camp is important for stuff like that.
0: Well, they said that they ran a whole bunch of like end of game stuff and you kind of go like, all right, cool. What what does that, what does that actually mean? But I, they they needed that. They just needed some reps. They needed any kind of reps, really. And even though we didn't get the full the full training camp, the full preseason, the full you know all that because of injuries to Luca and Kyrie, they still had some of those reps in camp. And I think that matters. And then just they had the reps from last year. Even though the last year went poor, like terribly, like the worst it could have gone. You still got some of those reps there. So they they got they got some of those kinks out there. I think too, and yeah you this is the way it was going to go, that they were that they were going to be good in the clutch. These are two historically really good clutch players. Luca was not good in the clutch last year, I think because of all the, like the load that he had to carry throughout the year. Kyrie has been good in the clutch, was good. And he's not shooting, he's not hitting threes during the rest of the game, but in fourth quarters, he's hitting, he's hitting threes, which is just a, a weird thing. But I go back to that play at the end of, at the end of the, the magic game the other day. And like you said, Luca. Luca has the ball and all of a sudden when Luca has the ball, Anthony black is guarding Kyrie and he goes, Oh my gosh, we can't just let Luca go one-on-one against, against somebody and score. And so he runs over to try and d- double Luca and he just leaves Kyrie all by himself. It's that, yeah. it's that decision that a young player like will make that decision and maybe a veteran team will, will figure it out a little bit more, but even still, like, that's a decision that how do you decide which one to, to help off of? And then if you don't, then you get, you know, a cutter or a, a guy, you know, roll into the rim or you get Grant Williams running a pick and roll, which we finally got yesterday if they play small. So like, it's just an impossible choice for defenses. And now maybe the, like, it's, we're, we're regressing back to the mean with, with this season. Now, I don't think Luca is going to shoot 98% true shooting in the clutch the rest, the rest of the season. That's no, but same. to your
1: point, and I love the guy, but that ain't Dinwiddie over there. You're running off of, like, <laughs> that's not, you you're, you're picking your poison big time. Big time with that one. So yeah, I don't know. I think the other thing is, I think it'll it'll be more sustainable throughout the year because, as you said, you know, it's tough. It was tough on Luca to perform in the clutch because you could tell he was just laboring. You know, I think he was he's yeah. he's probably always going to be kind of hurt <laughs> because it's just the punishment <laughs> that he takes and the way that he plays. Yeah. Um, it's just a very intense style of basketball. So just having another guy there who can be the guy some nights, I think it'll certainly help them you know when it comes you know late spring next year to be able to keep this up i don't know that they'll be undefeated nick
0: uh, <laughs> you don't think so <laughs> i think they'll be hold that up top
1: 10 clutch team at the end of the year
0: right they won't be undefeated they won't be shooting 50 45 93 on on field goals threes and and free throws in the clutch so far i mean that is unsustainable but they're getting good they get good looks And they take good shots, and Luka and Kyrie can make tough shots, and thats I think they take some of the toughest shots in the NBA. I mean, we talked about Luka. Luka gets no easy shots. I'm watching Anthony Edwards the other day. when he was going off against the Celtics. And even some of his looks where, all right, he gets a switch with Al Horford. He does a quick, quick jab step, a quick like crossover. And Al Horford kind of stumbles. And then he gets a a wide open, like mid range. Luka doesn't really get those shots that often. Or he's so athletic that he can just go straight to the rim and and, you know get a bucket over somebody. Luka doesn't get those because he doesn't have that, that level of athleticism, but it's going to be better. And so I'm, I'm curious to see if it, if it continues, but this is, Like we should we should get a mix of it. And last year we got all the bad. And so far this year we're getting all the good. (laughs) And I'll tell you, Yeah, and
1: I think that applies to some of the stuff we were talking about first and second half earlier too. You know, at some point Mm -hmm. it'll regress a little bit. Maybe they actually do have an issue, but I I think at some point, you know, they'll be closer. I think that they're they're going I sincerely think they're gonna be a top five offensive team, but I also think they're probably somewhere closer to 20th than sixth. Uh, which is what they are in the second half. The other thing I wanted to point out real quick on the first and second half thing that I forgot, the pace. Yeah. Uh yeah. going from twenty second to ninth uh in pace. That I don't it which of course is related to being able to get stops. Um but yeah, they we're all just kind of trying like what's your barometer for is this real? The
0: pace the pace is just or like, as far as the pace, or as far as the like the first half, second. half? I would half say
1: splits. the first half, second half, even the clutch. Like, do you go twenty games?
0: Yeah, I, I, Zach Lowe and Reggie and uh, JJ Redick had this conversation the other day, and Zach Lowe was like ten games, and <laughs> JJ Redick was like twenty games. Of course, yeah, the player yeah. would want A the longer period of time, and the and the analyst would be like, "I got to get it as soon as like I got to know ten games in." Uh, yeah, I, like I, I guess. Well, twenty games gets you what, like 15% of the season through or so yeah 20%? yeah about that yeah so it's okay that, that that shows me a little bit so maybe that that takes you to december and then around christmas maybe we, we learn about what teams are so man that yeah that's going to be that's going to be weird the pace is, a, is another really good one too i've been watching like the percentage of of plays that they have in the in transition and it if it's above like 15% each game then then they're actually doing pace they're actually pushing the ball a little bit and against the Magic, it was like fourteen percent. So they had they did push it a little bit, but not as much. Whereas against Charlotte, it was seventeen. Like they they were really felt like they were pushing the pace on that. N- another number that we're watching, but that has helped the offense. That's helped the offense, and that's helped the defense too. Because you get you get quick buckets, and then everybody's still back. <laughs> everybody's still back on defense. You don't have to run as far, I guess. All right, coming up, let's talk about some of the role players. I'm curious about your thoughts on Josh Green versus Derrick Jones Jr. This is like a, a, a minutia Mavs thing that only this show will talk about, that no other NBA show will talk about those two. And then we'll talk about Derrick Lively as well. Let's get into all that coming up. Before we do, let me tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook has all of the odds and props and lines that talk about the NBA. They've got NFL with the Cowboys too. Uh, if you're somebody that wants to bet on the Cowboys, if that's a thing that you want to do in life. Uh, I don't think that FanDuel has, like, if Shohei Otani will sign with the Rangers or not, but if they do, man, that'd be that'd be a thing to hit on if, if you decided to, to go for that and hit on that. What I've been watching is I've been watching the MVP odds. Jokic plus 300. Luka plus 420. He's second in MVP odds on FanDuel. Uh, Jason Tatum plus 750. Embiid plus 750. Steph Curry at plus 1,000 as well. So go check out FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash locked Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. When you get win any five dollar money line bets, you have to put down some five bucks on the money line. If you've been thinking about FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. FanDuel.com/slash locked on to kick off the NBA season, NFL season a full swing. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL.
1: Shut it down. Oh, no! Let's go. Home! All
0: right, Jake. Let's talk about some of the Dallas Mavericks role players. Jason Kidd decided to go with Derek Jones Jr. in in the starting lineup. I think some people were surprised by that. I was a little surprised by it. But he's been closing with Josh Green. If you go and look at just their rotation, if you go to like nbavisualrotations.com, if you want to get that into it, and if you're listening to a Daily Dallas Mavericks podcast, I think you may want to go that into it. I think that's the type of person that you might be listening to this right now. You can see like Derek Jones Jr. plays the beginning of the the first quarter, plays the beginning of the third quarter, but then kind of doesn't play that much in the fourth. And Josh Green plays almost the entire fourth quarter. You look at the difference between their minutes. They both play 6.8 minutes a game in the first quarter, which is like tied for fifth on the team. And then in the fourth quarter, Josh plays 8.8 minutes. That's third on the team in the fourth quarter. And Derek Jones Jr. only plays 3.2 minutes. What do you think about kid's decision to start Derek Jones Jr., but then close with Josh Green now?
1: It was odd because it seemed like right around the time that he was hinting in camp that he didn't think that he was a starter. Well, I guess the contract was only a couple of weeks ago, but it seemed like back in camp he was kind of trying to let us know like hey, I don't I don't think he's going to be a starter here. So, and the weirdest thing is that when when you watch Green this year, um the regression on defense. Yeah. Um so I don't know how much that plays into why would that mean that you're, you're a better option to close a game? Um but you know, maybe there's something to you know, he is a high high energy guy. Um so even if he's blowing coverages and you know, not getting over screens. He's going to give you every single thing that he has out there. Um, so perhaps there's something to you. want that energy out there in the fourth quarter. He's um, not like he's much younger than Derek Jones Jr. It's just a couple years. Um, so I don't have a great answer for it other than Josh Green has just not been very good. Um, and I, I don't know that he's really done anything to invalidate kids' decisions so far this year. I mean, I was thinking that it would be a situation – Maybe even similar to what happened with Lively in game one, where, you know, through a couple games, you're like, OK, this is the guy like we tried this other thing, try to yeah. give someone else. But I I don't he's it's six games, but he's certainly not where he was, you know, when he was really picking up last year, offensively or defensively. Really, the defensive part is way more concerning.
0: Yeah, he hasn't really popped, right? You'd hope that he would – I hope that he would take that leap going into this year and pop and really – because that spot was there for the taking, right? My whole point with him over the offseason was you got to leave no doubt that you're the starter. I don't think that he did that through the preseason and through training camp. He definitely didn't do it with Jason Kidd because Jason Kidd didn't didn't believe it. But he is closing games with him. I, I think Josh gives you some more like – he gives you just enough defense and then gives you some more options offensively if you want to push the pace – um, his three point shot has been good still, which, which is good. He does give you some more deflections on defense, which has been good. He's averaging two deflections a game, and Derek Jones Jr. is only at one, and so he gets he gets one more like to one more pass a game, which I think is is helpful. And so that kind of hustle stuff, the the, he, the passing, we haven't seen a ton, but at least he gives you that more of that option. And then he's played with some of these guys more, so maybe Jason gets just going with some more continuity in that spot but yeah it has been just a weird thing i just wanted to point it out the, the, the difference between their fourth quarter minutes and their first quarter minutes
1: or maybe jason kidd just really likes uh only putting his best lineups out there in the second half then pushing <laughs> the face playing better teams. Like,
0: you know it'd be wild yeah. if we were bad in the first half and then we were great in the second i'm just gonna watch this i'm, I'm right gonna twitter,
1: yeah he's
0: mentioned x or like twitter a couple times in, in press conferences and I've, I've kind of wondered how much he wants to troll us with with some of the Man, stuff that's been a did. theme on
1: our show for a while he seems very in tune with what the entire Mavs intelligentsia is saying I don't oh. know how but he does
0: <laughs> he had that whole thing last year where he looked at one of my tweets on like showing this this is Christian Wood with with Luca and the starters this is Dwight Powell with the starters yeah. and Maxie with the starters and he was like you know we read everything you guys say and we we make decisions based on that we just want to make you guys happy and I was like it was one of the weirdest professional moments I've, I've had. Yeah, so and far.
1: it's one of those be <laughs> sarcastic, but also like you, you, I do think that he's very in tune, and maybe that's with every NBA coach. I don't listen to all their press conferences; I listen to his, but he seems yeah. real in tune with what "quote unquote." Do we call it Mavs X now?
0: No, definitely not.
1: Okay, good. I wasn't no, planning no. on it. No. Okay,
0: but he he called it X one time, and then I was so confused because I thought he was talking about XM. and then he just said, and I was oh, like, oh rich. no, he's, talk, he's talking about Twitter. All right, let's talk about Derek Lively. I want to get your impressions on him so far. What are your thoughts about him? Has he changed your opinion about him? What are your thoughts on Derek Lively so far this season?
1: Well, my thoughts are that when they, when they picked him, I shouldn't have thought about him as the player I saw at Duke or the mm. player that I would have thought about on any other team. I should have only thought about the player he would be on this team with that guy. Mm. And if they had, you know, if even though his offensive game is so limited at Duke, it's one year, he fouled a lot, um, so, you know, when I, we're doing like pre-draft profiles and stuff, I'm like, I don't know about this guy, not for the Mavericks, but just in general. And then they pick him and you should just be thinking like, they're just going to teach this guy to get vertical both ways. And he's going to have a fantastic lob thread on his hands. And, you know, I think they went into the off season and Lucas, I don't remember if he said this or if it was just kind of implied, it was, it's pretty clear. He knew they needed a real big. And yeah. That was not something that was like readily available for them. You know, they did what they could, but, you know, it wasn't, there was nothing out there that they could get that Luka was going to be like, okay, yeah, that's an established rim running big that can, you know, cover the back line uh, if someone beats me. But I already think that Derek Lively can be that guy. And I think he can be that guy pretty quickly. I think he can be like 60% of that guy now. I mean, you know, he's going to foul a lot he's probably going to foul a whole lot. And those, those are going to be the nights where you're going to need to hopefully have Maxi available. Um, you know, I mean, I would have liked to see what would have been the case in the Nuggets game if Maxi would have been available and they could have gone more, you know, more too big. So, yeah, yeah he's changed my impressions of him because coming out, I'm like, I don't know. I it just seems like he's so raw. I expected him to be in the G League. Uh, I, I did not see this coming at all that yeah, he's going to outplay Wimben Yama on opening night. Um I don't yeah. think
0: he's outplayed him since then but, yeah, <laughs> but no. definitely that he got he, we can hold on to that first. Yeah,
1: but sure. He's he's a, he's super exciting man and I obviously a ton of credit to Tyson Chandler um yeah. because you know he's he's for the most part been a plus defender and a great rim runner. I I think the future is very very bright for him. And I think it's wild. Go a long way in keeping Luca here. By the way, if if it gets mm. to that point where it's like, what do we have in the cupboard? What sort of players do we have that I can grow with? I think that is the perfect guy to fit that.
0: Yeah, having him and Grant Williams like that that those two moves I think did a lot for the Luca future thing. Sure. Like Grant Williams and Luca being the same age, and then Derek Lively. This is his starting point. Like this is where where we're starting with him. He's only going to get better. His body's only going to fill out. Like imagine him with a full NBA offseason. He kind of almost got it because he did summer league. He came in in August and did all that. But imagine him with that full year. The thing with with him and like coming from Duke, the Kentucky guys all get a bump when they come in because there's so many dudes and there's so many guys on Kentucky that you just don't get to play your right role. And I asked I asked Derek Lively about this the other day after he had another game where it was like he was 14 and 13. And I was like, you never put that lineup in college even. Like what's the difference between this and now? And he just kept talking about his role and how he just he knows exactly what his role is here. I think it's so specifically defined. That's a thing we kept bringing up over the summer that I think has been so true with him. It's so defined. All you have to do is this. Like, just literally don't do anything else. Offensively, we're not asking you to put the ball on the deck. Like, literally just dribble handoff and pick and roll. Like, That's all, that's all we really need you to do. Be a lob threat. And then on defense, he's got to figure out, you know, the defensive end, but that's what he's supposed to be good at, and that's what he picks it up really well. He's so smart to figure out some of these things so quickly and to read things. He is playing real conservative though, and you can ju- you can just tell that he's trying to not foul out of games. That Nuggets game we was just he was just like let me just not foul out of this game in any way, and then he got frustrated last night, like you said. But yeah, he's, yeah. The other he's thing so too good. is, you know, I
1: think he's got he's going to be a great rebounder. But that Nuggets game, I mean, that's an impossible thing to be compared to. But they were just, yeah, they were putting playing tricks on him with tip outs and you know just kind of working around him. And, and you know, he's also going to he's going to fill out too. Yeah. Um, so, man, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that there's been anybody like him around here in a long, long time. Like, I can't. You would have to go back a long way to think of somebody that was that young with that skill set, um, that with that bright of a future. I mean, it's it's been a long time, if ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that young, like that. That changes it because you can go, oh, well, 2014, Tyson Chandler came back, or 2011, Tyson Chandler was about to win a Defensive Player of the Year. You're like, oh man, no, he wasn't even that he was like what thirties then. So
1: yeah, I don't think Eric Dampier qualifies. <laughs> um so seriously, I I don't know that they've ever had a player like this. And I and I think it's it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit.
0: Does his impact change anything about what do you think about the Mavs making a trade in the future?
1: Um, it does. It does because first, I mean, unless it involved moving him for somebody else that was uh you know, in the similar age range, you know, maybe like early mid 20s, who is it more established if you could, if you were putting a package together that sent him away, I would be actually more on board with that. What I don't want is to bring anything back that stops his progress at all. Mm. I want him playing as much as he possibly can. And so, yeah, I, I would say I would be more inclined to move him than to bring someone else in that would play in front of him. I think that would be a bad idea. He needs minutes. And he needs minutes with Luca primarily.
0: Yeah. We've gotten this question a lot about like, oh, should the Mavs still trade for a center? You guys kept talking about stopgap center. Like Lively's been better than I even expected. And I feel like they have kind of figured out that. At least have a solid center rotation with 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 lively and then Dwight coming off the bench back in his back in his role that he needs to play. Like he plays he plays well there. And then with Maxi, you've got a swing guy that can do some different things that the Mavericks need too. And so the, I think they've always needed to trade for an elite defensive wing. You, that they need that desperately. And so if your question about if your question about who they should trade for in the future is, oh, do they still need a center number one? Is that the number one need? I don't think it is the number one need anymore. I think they've got they've got their answer for the future, and he's been a pretty good answer for the present too, which I've been really surprised by, and that's been been awesome to watch. You can go check out Jake Kemp and watch him. YouTube channel The Dumb Zone. You can check out the Patreon, the Dumb Zone. Anything else you want to say about the Dumb Zone?
1: Uh no, not really. I do D magazine uh on Monday mornings for the Cowboys. And then at some point they will let me out of that and I'll get to write about the Mavericks. <laughs> it's a lot more it's a lot more fun typically, even whenever they're not great. It's just more fun. Um, Maybe
0: you can do the uh the crossover uh do you see Tad Prescott was was upset with Grant Williams wearing an Eagles jersey? Maybe you can do the crossover one.
1: I did. Yeah, that man, the athlete family, you just got to, you got to, you got to get two factor authentication on their phone and only you have the login. So anytime you want to get in and delete stuff, I just, that's a, that's got to be a rough go, man.
0: (laughs) Imagine you're Pat Mahomes with, with that brother.
1: Oh, I don't want
0: to. No, no that, that's... that one's bad. Go check it out, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps. We'll be back tomorrow take, talking more Dallas Mavericks uh, every single day here. We have the, the Raptors game. I'll be there. I'll cover that one. Clippers as well, in-season tournament game. And then I'm going to New Orleans this weekend to go check out that game and hang out with Jake Madison. So check out that, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom.